Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supertop podcast. I'm Oshin, recording in Dublin. And I'm Podrick, recording in Vancouver. We just released Castro 2.2 yesterday. We're going to go over some of the details of that release and have a look at some business updates from the business side of Supertop. Talk a little bit about what's next, what's coming down the road for us, and a little bit more. So I guess we better get started. <laughs> okay. Let's just quickly go over the features in Castro 2.2, and then we can talk about any of the interesting things that came up while we developed them. Sure, sure. So CarPlay is probably the the headline one, I guess. Yeah, I have a hard time uh, deciding whether the CarPlay or the widget is the biggest one. Um, we've teased the CarPlay one first, and then we teased the widget one later. Um, a couple of times I've wondered about whether we should have teased the widget a little bit first, and I'm not sure, but I think both of them are interesting in terms of giving a like a, a basically a new out a new place where you can start playing your episodes from in Castro without having to like go into the like the main app necessarily and and browse through the screens the way that you always have before. Yeah, I think CarPlay will be a huge update for people who have a CarPlay thing in their car already. And obviously, it's completely meaningless if you don't. Yeah, we heard from a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, we did. They, they they convinced us that it was important and. Um, yeah, we managed to get the permission from Apple to add the entitlement to our file and, and ship that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So with CarPlay, you can't just add it to your app. You have to apply to Apple and then get a response. So, I mean, when did we initially apply the very first time? I think sometime with Castro 1. Yeah. It was like, um, it was over a year ago, but I'm not sure how long ago, a good while ago. Yeah. So we didn't get a reply. And then eventually... Anyway, we've had some people, some other developer friends of ours have asked how to get into the CarPlay program. And the big secret was to just hound our developer relations, developer relations person who was very, very helpful. <laughs> but yeah, once you're in, you get documentation and you get told all the secrets of how to implement CarPlay. But you can figure out a lot of it from the header files in Xcode. Yeah, parts of it are like implemented Parts of it were like already implemented in terms of the um, like the now playing information and stuff is the same APIs that are used to like populate the lock screen of the phone and the, and control center and stuff like that. But then yeah, there's some extra APIs around like so that people can like browse through content. Yeah, I think browsing content was kind of the big thing that like like the interface for browsing content in CarPlay. Often in other apps, it's like you're tapping through screens and it's like dive down through different menus. Because of the hierarchy of Castro and the queue and the inbox system, we were able to just have basically two tabs. So you just had your queue and you just had your inbox. And it makes navigating that interface, especially if you're like, because you're going to be in your car. So it, you want it to be quick. So works really well with Castro. Yeah, no, that's that's so great. And because iOS provides all the UI and you just give it the data that it shows, it means that the decisions you have to make are kind of limited. Once we figured out, obviously, we're just going to share the Castro hierarchy of having a nice queue and an inbox. It's just a matter of giving CarPlay that data. I, first of all, I wanted it to just be the queue, just one screen. Um, but some of our beta testers convinced us that their way of using Castro was slightly different than mine and that it was like helpful to for them to have the inbox as well. Yeah, I, was, I almost wanted to just have the queue, but then when I thought about the case where a new episode of your favorite podcast just came out mm -hmm. and you haven't had a chance to queue it yet. That's when we needed the inbox too. But still, it's pretty clean. It's two tabs and then you can tap to show the now playing screen. And there's That's all of the hierarchy. 
So then we also had the new widget, um, which essentially reveals like some of your queue. Uh, you can have it on your lock screen or on your home screen, and it shows up like with the when you 3D touch on an app icon as well. Um, this has like changed how I use Castro more than I think I <laughs> imagined it would when we started planning it out. Um, I basically have that like as one of my only widgets, that, my top widget on my home screen. So. Um, most of the time when I want to launch Castro now, I just basically swipe over one extra home screen and my podcasts are there, just kind of like my app icons on the other screens and I just jump straight into listening to a podcast. So yeah, I open Castro now when I like want to like triage the inbox and stuff like that or add a new podcast, but usually I launch it just by going like straight to straight to that widget. So it's it's fun to it's well, it's fun and it's also really nice to see like how like taking advantage of that new space and like the the primacy of that space in ios 10 where the widgets go yeah it's nice because we're i mean in a way we're supposed to add all of the new things that ios 10 or whatever apple brings to the table we're supposed to fill in what the castro Mm -hmm. version of that is but this is like genuinely a useful thing that has changed how we use the app yeah but i think even like in the ios 9 world when those widgets well they weren't called widgets then they were called like today extensions and you would swipe down notification center and then swipe over into your today view or tap the segment control at the top like i would never used to use that Mm. but the fact that it's now like right there beside your main home screen and on the lock screen as well it just makes it so much more powerful yeah it's meant that i can turn off notifications because i i often just will look at that screen and then I see that like, oh, I have a new episode of the podcast. I was waiting to see if it would come out. It's a bit nicer because it's slightly more, I, I'm still kind of getting notified because I see that screen often enough, but it's not like buzzing my phone or my watch. Yeah. I told when I told my brother about like these changes that they were making to widgets, he's a pretty, he's an Android user. We used to get into arguments years ago when we were both very passionate in our opposite camps. I don't think it's not the kind of stuff we argue about anymore. We argue about much different things these days, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I was talking about like how Apple was putting these widgets on the home screen now, and he was like, oh, who would have thought that was going to be a good idea? I was only telling you about widgets for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it turns out they're actually pretty useful. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's interesting how like just the different placement of them from being in the notifications tab to down here has really like changed how I use them, so that's cool. A bunch of users who had Castro one um, really wanted those actions to come back, so I'm really I'm glad that we got those back at last. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and they're cool as well because you can like with the so you treat the touch on the icon and the like the shortcuts come up. And in Castro one, we used to uh, not abuse. I guess it is abuse, but we're, <laughs> we used to like use the, one of those shortcut icons to be like the now playing thing, so that you could like jump straight into playing it. Um, but because you now have like the widget there as well in that 3D touch view, it means we can just show the actual episode artwork there in the widget. Yeah. And then we use the shortcuts for like jump into specific sections of the app, setting the sleep timer, which was also in Castro 1 and and search, which was in Castro 1 as well. But the, it's great to be able to like jump quickly into the queue in the inbox and even like see at a glance, like how many episodes you have in each of those without having the red dot, which I... I cannot abide, mm-hmm. even though we have that feature now. We have features these days whether that we don't necessarily use because we know that other people want them. Yeah. Um. So the the one criticism that of this approach, 
um, just how it looks is it's just a list of, or it's the top four items in your queue and we just show the artwork. There's no, no other metadata. That's great and it works. It works pretty well for how I use Castro, but I got a message on Facebook from a friend who like queues lots of episodes of the same podcast and there's no way to distinguish between them because it's just like he has like three three icons for 99% invisible. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it's I don't use it that way and if I and when I do have multiple episodes of the same podcast in my queue usually they're in the right order like they're in the order I want to listen to them to so I would just tap the closest one. Um but yeah, I think it's a, a reasonable criticism and maybe something we'll have to address at some point. Yeah, that's an interesting issue all right. One thing that I do like about like this the density of the information that we have here in terms of like just having the artwork and not the titles is that at a gl- I can see like a lot more at a glance of what's in my queue like if I really am do want to get granular down to like the episode titles and stuff like that I can open the app and scroll through that list hmm. but it's like five episodes at a time on the screen but when I add the widget to like on the home screen and the lock screen and expand it out like I can see like the next 12 episode artworks and I find that really handy for like, because sometimes when my queue gets quite long, I like to be able to like see at a glance a little bit further down it and like reprioritize something just on a whim, basically. Um, so I don't really want it. To, I don't think I really would want that view to like to change into basically just being like a complete mirror of like what we show on the queue screen itself. Like I like that it's like an alternate way of looking at it because it, like it can cater to different use cases in that way. Yeah, because we use a lot of space on our queue screen in the app. So you only have so many episodes on the screen. Whereas with this this kind of collection approach where there's, I think, up to three rows of four, mm-hmm. um, you can yeah you can see everything on one screen and think about it differently. It is an interesting challenge for sure, though. Yeah, I think it's a criticism we'll get maybe a few more times, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100% sure we should change it. Because, yeah, as you said, this doesn't have to be like this isn't necessarily an entirely distinct way to interact with the app. It's just a shortcut. So it does look a bit strange. Like I've like when you do end up with like multiple artworks of the same one there. Like I realized it happened to me yesterday where I had like four This American Lives and two two um, exponents and <laughs> I can't remember exactly what else. But um, so it doesn't look the best at that time. But if somehow the episode titles were included on that screen. Um, would you be choosing between This American Lives from here? No, I think I would go to the app. I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just guessing that like if I had a load of This American Life at the end of my queue, it's because I'm saving them. That's why I have them there, because I'm not going to be able to download them if I delete them. So I have to leave them there on the hope that I listen to them someday. That's because This American Life deletes episodes from their feed after a week or two, I think. Yeah, they used to just have one at a time, but I think they've started having three or four these days. So. Hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, so the widget is pretty good. Really happy with how it turned out. And yeah, it's nice to, it's really nice to have a new thing that no other app has. Like there's something about anytime we launch something, that's something that no other app does. Um, and then, and also that they'd maybe find it hard to copy because like this comes from the foundation of our app being based on a queue entirely everywhere. Like there aren't playlists and that compromise of, okay, there aren't playlists. So you can't have like 10 different queues there's only one, but because of that compromise, we have all this, all these extra things we can build on top of that. So yeah, it feels good from a like, yeah, app design point of view. Yeah, no, it's nice to see the, I mean, we have plans for like other 
things in the future as well that will like, feed into this as well. But it's nice when like these design decisions that we made before around the structure of the app, when we start to be able to realize the benefits of those even more, like as we expand out to, to other parts of the OS and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, totally. It's nice to see some of those things start start getting realized. We still have a, um, a, a road ahead of us, but it's nice to nice to see parts of it falling into place now. Yeah, totally. And we dropped the price. We did. It's now $3.99 in some countries. <laughs> <laughs> why did we drop the price? Um, why did we drop the price? I guess we, so we launched basically at a, like a higher price than our paid competition. And I think that was made sense at the time. Uh, we were like, we were, you we were going to get a lot of interest around launch time um, or in a way, it's like when we were going to get the most attention and people were mo- going to be most enthusiastic about um, trying it out. It's been a few months since we launched now, and it, to me, at least, it just makes a little bit more sense to like be on the same level as, as Pocket Cast, say, for example. Yeah, I think that makes sense. We had a sale um, during the week of iOS 10's launch, and I think we noticed, yeah, I remember looking at our conversions and they were a good bit better. There's been an idea that's gone around for years in the iOS community of that gets brought up at conferences again and again that like, well, if you double your price and don't lose more than half of your customers, then you made the right choice because you make more revenue. Mm-hmm. Like that feeds into the idea of price elasticity, like how much how much do sales change as the price changes and what's the what's the optimal point on that curve where you're getting the most revenue? And so... We had a sale that dropped it by $1, and that sale went on for a week. And so I think even on the last day of that week, our revenue was higher than uh, the next day after we raised it again. So to me, like it's it's impossible to have perfect information to make these decisions, but you have to work with what you have. And to me, that says that like this is a better this is a better point because people get less scared when they see $3.99 than they do when they see $4.99. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's clearly it's difficult to know for certain. Yeah, we have that data from that week, but then you like you wonder about like how much is the fact that that was a temporary price like feed into that and like oh I better buy it now because it's going to be a dollar more expensive tomorrow, for example. Um, but it's interesting enough. For, like I definitely want to like try it out at this price point, like for longer than a week and without it being a temporary price, and like see how it works out for us. Yeah, definitely. And we also, in version 2.2, fixed a lot of bugs, but we don't need to go into each of those bugs because we'll be here for a long time. <laughs> Hold on, let me open up Pivotal Tracker and we're going to chronicle them one by one. Oh, actually, there are there are a few more little features that we didn't really publicize very much, aside from in the release notes. The release notes do not contain any jokes at all as well. Very proud of that. Well done. Um, <laughs> so when you're sharing, you can add a timestamp to the share URLs. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And handoff, like when the little Safari icon comes up on your Mac because while you're using Castro, you can hand off to your Mac and it'll take the timestamp. I think if the episode is currently playing, it'll take the timestamp of that episode so you can seamlessly continue on your Mac if you want to, which is like a really nice way of getting a basic... It's, it's, there's no Mac interface or like real web client, but this is a, a good way to like finish the episode you started listening to on the way into work or whatever. Yeah, I did it this morning when I was making breakfast, actually. Yeah, no, it's handy. Um, I don't use it that often, but once once in a while, it's cool. And yeah, lastly, you can subscribe to Castro, or you can subscribe 
our show our release notes are wrong okay you can subscribe to a podcast using a url scheme which you used to be able to do in castor one but wasn't in castor two for a while anyway that's a very exciting secret feature there <laughs> what's what's wrong in our release notes it says subscribe to castro using a url scheme which is uh, kind of maybe it's not wrong but it's confusing anyway okay <laughs> uh so yeah a bunch of bugs fixed feels really good to be getting these big updates out every few months like especially compared to like the long march of just working on 2.0 when i work on a feature now i know like this is going to be in people's hands in a few weeks it's pretty good uh, so how's how quickly are we going to go out of business? <laughs> <laughs> the doom clock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I updated our doom clock this morning, which was nice to do after a day of uh, a a big update because. Oh yeah, quickly. What is the, what is the doom clock, Ashin? Okay, so the yeah we talked about this in an earlier episode. We can link it in the show notes. But doom clock is essentially a spreadsheet that Podrig uh, did up for us. Um, soon enough after the launch um, where we track how much money we're making compared with what our target is that for an amount that's going to pay us money and cover our costs pay us a basic salary and cover our costs um, and based on that information uh, deduces like how quickly we're going to go out of business at at, uh, at various levels of uh, of daily revenue Um essentially it's like a tool to like try and keep us focused on what like getting to like our target daily revenue which we are at sometimes like especially around launches and stuff but like the plateau that we drop off to has been like below that target um a bit for the past month or two um and so like this keeps us like knowing how long we have to like improve that um so that's the doom clock yeah so yeah, average daily sales have been down a bit lately. Fine for a week here and there, but when it's continuous, it's obviously concerning. Yeah, we've been eating into our reserves, I guess, a little bit more over the past month than we would have liked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's important now is to see how well 2.2 performs. And we have our sales report from yesterday. Yeah. So again, small small data, I guess. It's hard to like make big decisions. I mean, big conclusions from one piece of data. But um, yesterday went pretty good. Yeah. It is a bigger sales day than the day that we launched 2.1, at least. So that's something. Mm-hmm. The question, I guess, is to like see how that continues over the next week and weeks and month or so, too, until our next update. Yeah. And we've started getting featured in the App Store again. So our, that huge number of impressions that turns into very few conversions <laughs> has gone up again. So that always feels good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're working on improving those conversions, right? <laughs> yeah, we're being uh, very proud of ourselves. We're being very good. <laughs> yeah. We're, are we businessmen? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting there. <laughs> um, so you wrote, a, you wrote a good blog post at the start of the month about search ads and how we've experimented with those. These are these are the ads in the App Store that developers can pay for. Only in the US at the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, only in the US. So yeah, we can. There's a bit of follow up on that. Um, the overall, prob- if you're interested in this and you haven't read the blog post, go read the blog post. But we're, we're just going to continue as if you already know that stuff. Well, I guess we could give like a brief overview. Of sure, yes. Yeah. Which is essentially that like we spent the free one hundred dollars that Apple had given us. We don't need to go into the exact details of how we spent it and at which levels but essentially we spent a hundred dollars and 
got like 14 i think new installs out of it so they cost us like six dollars 70 a piece for an app which where we were receiving like three dollars 50 of the revenue so um like that's the too long didn't read of it (laughs) the big point for me that came out of that is that if we set our if we set our bids for the ads at a low enough level that it makes sense for us the volume that we get is too low to care about Mm -hmm. like if we set it to uh, if we set it to a price that makes sense, given that we get three fifty back, we'll only get you know maybe five or six conversions a week. It's not, it's not a complete waste of time, but you really don't want to be spending hours thinking about it when, when you're talking about making a few dollars each time. There was there was points though even in that experiment where it was even way lower than that. Like I mean, I think it took us a week or two before we even got like a single install, and that was as like because we started quite conservatively with what we thought we could afford to pay for a tap. And then I think we just blew that out, out of the water in the end. And we knew we were bidding way more than we could afford to pay, but it was like, okay, maybe this is what we need to do to see where this experiment is going to go and see what you need to pay. And I guess essentially like proved to ourselves by those actions that it like it wasn't going to be. Yeah, at a, at a bid that gets any kind of decent volume, it's way outside the pointer. It would be profitable for us. A few a few notes on it. Um, we excluded the names of our big competitors because we didn't. We really didn't want to advertise against them. Uh, given the numbers that we got on generic terms like podcast, um, which is going to be much more popular than any one podcast app. Uh, given those returns, I don't think that we like. <laughs> how did you put it again? Yeah, we'd be selling our soul for very little at that point. <laughs> <laughs> for no return, I think I wrote. Um, since then, we've started a new campaign because it's it's worth, like we spent the free $100 from Apple and now we've put in another $100 um, and we're just going to run that at a low level um, so that we at least scoop up those, you know, a f- those few conversions each week that we can get. And yeah, how is, how's that going so far? Yeah, it's, we're actually getting a lot more conversions on it than I expected. Now, there's a couple of other reasons for that, but um, I think we got, I think we started it a week or so ago. Um, we've got 12 conversions on that so far, whereas it took us like a month um, to get 14 on the original one and 14 where we were paying like $6 each for each of them. On the new campaign, our CPA, cost per acquisition, see, I am a businessman, <laughs> is like 60 cents or something. So like we're still only spending like a few dollars and it's perfectly reasonable, I think, to, I'm per- happy to like pay 60 cents if it's like getting a customer, getting a new customer that we would have missed out on otherwise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's still, I mean, the total there, total profit is like, what, $36 or something, roughly? Yeah, no, we might, we might get lunch or something. Like we- <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's kind of like affiliate links, I guess. It's like... Over the course of a year, it'll add up to a number that's not as embarrassing, but like day to day, it's hard to justify spending a lot of time on it. I think it's like kind of little nerdy hobby where like just to like look over those numbers and like try to deduce things from them. But it's like, I mean, maybe if we do it, like maybe we could get a bottle of whiskey at Christmas or something out of it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the extent of it. But and it's good to be there, too, in case in case like right now there's some big campaign that the players who have more money are running and then that campaign runs out and all of a sudden we start getting we start winning all the bids like it's i think it's always worth having our own base thing there partly i'm wondering like is that already happening like the fact like we're getting a lot more impressions at these lower bids than i expected part of that i think is because we're bidding on a lot more keywords than we used to um but 
I'm also surprised by the like the amount of impressions that we're getting at this amount. Like it's it's more than we were. I mean, the thing that comes to mind for me is that everyone tried the hundred dollars for free over the last month and now reached the same conclusions as us that it's not really worth it, and then didn't didn't even bother trying to scoop up the the, the scraps that we're we're chasing. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, no harm being there. Yeah, so I think it's definitely worth having our toe in the water. Our maximum bid is at a level where, based on like the our analytics from before, we think like even if we paid this amount for each tap, we would break even on the sale essentially. Mm-hmm. But the conversion rate has been a bit better even than we calculated then. So yeah, we're we're making we're making a couple of couple of dollars on each yeah acquisition here. And so. maybe if it expands to other countries, um, that'll that'll increase it a little bit too. Yeah, we might get two bottles of whiskey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink one and you can drink the other and we can talk on Skype. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> um, and then you also did tons of work on the our App Store screenshots, so they look way better now. Oh, yeah, they are exciting. Oh, yeah, they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, our screenshots were quite... Well, I mean, it's not that they were bad. They were just like straight-up screenshots from the app. Uh, we hadn't put that much effort into them before. It was basically, let's try and show as many different screens as we can, um, as many of the different design touches as we could, but like just in plain screenshots. Like just the problem with like screenshots like that is like the plain screenshots is like they weren't doing a very good job of like actually communicating what was going on. Like you see a screenshot of the queue, you see a screenshot of the inbox, a screenshot of an, the archive screen, for example. But for somebody who's like just being introduced to the app, that doesn't really help them like get an idea of like what like of the new, unique features of the app and, yeah. and the flow and like the inbox and queue structure. So we had the like we have since we launched, we had the like the app preview video, which like does a j- nice job of like taking you through that story. I guess of the app the way i think of the new screenshots is essentially like a kind of like a still version of that preview video hmm. so it's less dense in terms of like the amount of pixels of actual ui that you see but there's like text added and there's a flow across the across the panels that like explains like the concept of triage and how it works in the app the benefits of that and then a kind of fun little one at the end to like introduce night mode and hint that there's other features as well but it they're, they do a much better job of telling the story of the app for sure yeah no I, I think that is very well put and i'm excited to get them up there they're waiting for approval now so hopefully i'm sure by the time this podcast comes out by the time we finish editing it um those will be on the store and we can report back next time if the conversion rates changed much once they launched yeah, that was basically like the thing I think that like made us realize that this was maybe an important place to be paying some attention. Um, because we saw like the conversion rates that we were getting, like what we'd get featured in the app store. Um, and like when you do, I guess the price of the app was one hurdle that was standing in the way. And so like the conversion rate from people who tapped through from a feature in the app store to ending up buying the app at all. I think it was like at its lowest, I think it was like around 2% or maybe even on some days it was a bit lower than that. Yeah. And we started thinking like, I mean, there was tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of people landing on our page over a period of time. And we were like, oh, if we could like increase that conversion rate by like a percentage point or two, like we could make like a big 
a big uh, difference to our like to the bottom line. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes sense. It really makes sense now where or like when we get featured on the App Store. So yeah, there are two you mentioned there are two steps. There's the impressions and then there's like the conversion when you're on the product page to a purchase. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's the impressions which are which there were millions of when we launched. Like I think we had more than was that 90 million or something impressions, which like it's a it's not a number to get too excited about because someone opens the App Store and that's that appears and then they immediately change tab and do a search. And like mm-hmm. there was no there's no never any opportunity to turn them into anything. But still, it was such a big number <laughs> that it's as you said, if you can change that number by even a tiny percentage, you drive so much more traffic. Where in Castro One, I remember we got hung up on screenshots at one point and tried to make them really nice and like add text to them. And like the amount of volume going through the I mean, we didn't have numbers then, but I'm pretty sure that like even if we made a ten percent improvement, that wouldn't have made been it wouldn't have been noticeable even. Yeah, since Castro, since we've been lucky enough to be featured a good bit more with Castro 2, I think like small change, well, the hope at least is that uh, making improvements to our product page can can start to make more of a noticeable difference. Um, yeah, now we have the we have the numbers now too, so we'll be able to tell. I mean, again, <laughs> you can only tell so much because there are other factors, but like we have some data now at least, so we can we should be able to tell what's working and and evolve from here too. Or at least we should be able to convince ourselves of whatever conclusions we want to draw from the data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the theme of November 2016. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's fun about the screenshots that I enjoyed, like when putting them together is I made them in like one whole, like it's basically one Photoshop document with the, like the Castro gradient going across the background and just text and like the screenshots are in phones and there's podcast artwork. There's a bunch of different elements, but they like they flow across the screenshots. So it's not just like, okay, here's one, here's another, here's an, here's another. It's kind of more like it's, that. It's like like to use like that one that all the screenshots together and even like the poster image from the like the video preview, like as as one like ver- uh, horizontal canvas essentially. Um, so like hopefully that should even like just be more engaging or like prompt people to like keep scrolling a little bit more over because it's more obvious that there's they're all part of like one uh one overall piece so yeah hopefully that helps i think it's really cool to like as an experiment to connect them together like that so anyway well we should know in a week or two and then yeah so what's next for what are we going to work on for castro (laughs) 2.3 2.3 well like well i mean we have everything now right we're only missing one feature Mm mm-hmm yeah, I'm pretty sure that we got... What is it? <laughs> the the one feature was we're missing. Smart Speed? Uh, it might have been Voice Boost. No, I think it was... I think it's Chapters. We don't have Chapters. Our iPad, our Watch, our Web, our Mac, our Android. It was one of those. That's the one feature that we don't have now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you release an app or an update to an app, people will contact you on Twitter because this is the ideal time to do it and ask you for something else other than what you just made. <laughs> So it's, I mean, it's totally understandable. I guess they see, we show show up in their timeline and then they remember. Yeah, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, cool, they added that, but I always wanted, yeah, I just wanted a pony is all. Um, We want, we want a pony too, right? Yeah, we all, I mean, everyone wants a damn pony, but like. I want all these ponies. Well, I'm not sure about the Android part, but I I want 
like at least the other six ponies. Yeah. So the thing okay. about when when can I have them? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about every one of those features is that they're all catch up features, which doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. Uh, we we absolutely should do them, but I think it's important to always have something new as well. Like we're not if you make an over if you make a podcast app that's just a copy of Overcast, that's not newsworthy. Um, no one should buy that. Like Overcast is free. <laughs> you already have it probably. Um, so you have to do something new as well as like copying those features. Are you saying we need a unicorn as well as a catch-up pony? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just invent that? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we need a unicorn and a catch-up pony. <laughs> now I'm picturing like ketchup, like tomato sauce. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Okay. Uh, so now that we have now that we have the episode title. <laughs> Okay, so we, I mean, we, so we do want, to, we do want to catch up ponies, right? Obviously, we can't like do all of those right now. They're not in the next release. They're not all in the next release, at least. Um, okay, I got a little bit excited by the pony talk. What do you think is the thing that, like, if there's one problem that we have or one feature that we're missing in your mind, what is it? What is my catch up pony? Yeah, I guess my, my catch up pony is probably. My catch-up pony is smart speed. Yeah. So I think, I definitely think that's the number one catch-up pony. God, I can't, I can't keep saying this. We should probably stop saying it. Okay. I think that's our number one catch-up feature. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's, if we have that, we'll have a breakthrough in daily revenue that'll last a long time? Like, yeah, I think I feel like that that's like the one, like, I think that's like the biggest, like, barrier i mean i think i'm not sure how much we went into this in a previous episode but like the idea that like somebody could look at the app in the app store or read the review on mac stories or wherever but like their first question is oh but does it have smart speed um and when it doesn't then like maybe they stop like they don't go any further and even consider it because they like that feels so essential to them mm. Some of those other features, I mean, maybe some people might feel like that about chapters, maybe some people in Germany at least. Some people, like Mike Early, might feel like that about the iPad. But I think, like, the biggest one would, would be smart speed. Mm. That, like, that's, that, that's like a barrier at the door, like the biggest barrier at the door. Well, I think when, just to pick on one tiny part of your argument as if it's a proper rebuttal of it, I think when reviews are written of apps, they always want to have a paragraph where they say the downsides, like that they need to find something to say, oh, it doesn't have this though. So, and it happened that that smart speed was our like second last paragraph of the review this time. But if we had it, like iPad would be the second last paragraph instead. Yeah, no, until we have all the ponies, there will always be a second last paragraph, I guess. The smart speed one just still seems like that's the like the biggest hurdle. Yeah. Like that if the second last paragraph is iPad, for example, I think that would, will put some people off, but I don't think it would be as many people as... Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop saying smart speed now as well and just call it um, unicorn speed. <laughs> well, so I've been working on unicorn speed for the last few months and like catching up on all the core audio stuff. So mm. I, I want to do it to answer this question, really. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I'll use the feature. Yeah, we don't need to, go, need to go into whether I'll use it or not. But so, yeah, I want to answer this question of like, is is this some big limiting factor on us or is it just noise from people who are just going to continue to use Overcast anyway? 
I mean, Overcast 3 is going to come out sometime next year. That will surely have some other exciting feature. That's yeah, that is the scary part. Not the Overcast 3 so much as the idea that like we like we could put all this work in and then yeah, you're making me feel slightly less sure about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I mean, yeah, I, I, okay, clearly there is like some uncertainty there. We'll have like Yeah. So I think we have a healthy balance of so far anyway of like exciting new things that no one else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um with like fixing bugs and working on this other stuff in the background. So mm-hmm. uh, as long as yeah, I think as long as we continue to try to do innovative stuff as well as catching up, um, then we'll we should be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like to like, I yeah, I don't want us to like just like be like a catch up feature after a catch up feature. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Like we came out of the gate, I guess, with Castro two with like our own unique angle on like with the inbox and the queue and triage stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we at the expense, I guess, of like knowing that we were going to have other stuff to catch up on. But that doesn't mean that we should then just spend the rest of the time catching up. Like, I think we need to keep uh, pushing some of the other things forward as well. Yeah, like that that list of features we had at the start, like doing iPad means doing sync. Doing watch is going to take a while. Um, doing a Mac app would take ages. Um, that could fill a year. And there's nothing in it that is unique or like... Like every headline that comes out of that is finally Castro does blah. Mm-hmm. None of it is like, oh, interesting new thing. Cool. So. Well, there's the headline and then there's also like the personal motivation side of it as well, I guess, where it's like, like, how would we feel after a year of of playing catch up, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's more or less what's next. So one other segment I thought about doing in the podcast is that we would try and do something like cover some kind of technical thing that's happened recently with Supertop or with Castro. <laughs> Last week we had our first downtime on our servers. So I don't know if, yeah. Good, this, you can you take this part, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just going to talk for five minutes telling a story about some servers. <laughs> I've been I've been buried in, in Photoshop, so not so much technical stuff on my side lately. So what happened? The tentacles went down. Yeah, so a bunch of things happened, uh, as they usually do when there's downtime. We have a pretty professional setup for our servers. Like we're not, we haven't just hacked it together. Um, we have like nice deployment scripts and um, our database server has a backup standby server that we can switch over to at any time. If it melts, we can just press to run one script and then everything switches to it and no data has been lost. I think we're at a good level of um, maturity with our server handling stuff. But nevertheless, we ended up with some downtime. So our database server ran out of space, which is a very bad thing for a database server to do because they don't handle it very well. They just crash. Mm. Now, we had we had a bunch of alerting in place, but I think we probably have too much alerting and some of it is, well, a bunch of it is noise that doesn't matter. When our Redis server uses a lot of RAM, I get an email and that doesn't really matter. So I got in the habit of ignoring a lot of these emails. One of those emails would have told me that I, we'd crossed 90% of disk usage on the database server, and then I wouldn't be able to act and fix it properly. So I f- did the failover script because somehow there was two gigabytes free extra on the failover server. And then that that got us through uh, on the first day it w- there was any trouble. And then I, as I was setting up the, the new standby server, because usually we just, if something goes wrong with the server, we switch, we build a new one and then throw away the old one. Like there's this idea of um, cattle versus pets, 
like that you're not they're not these things that you just nurture and like keep patching all the time you just like if there's a problem you shoot it in the head and start up a new one they're not they're not ponies so they're not ponies <laughs> certainly not unicorn ponies so i was setting up the the new standby one and as that was just finishing setting up it ran out of disk space again and now we were in trouble because we didn't have a standby and the main server was crashing because it was out of disk space mm, no. eventually i figured out what was using up all yeah, so a big mystery here is like why the why was the database server using all of this hard disk space? Like, there's no real reason why there should have been huge growth in um, in our database size. Like, it should grow at a pretty standard level of like new episodes come out and we put them in our database. It's not like gigabytes every week or anything. So we have a second backup system where we stream our database to S3 so that if our data center explodes, we could still recover to like within a few seconds of when that happened, which is great and a cool feature. Um, and it turns out that on the standby server, there was some problem with it running, but the database was keeping those files that would have been uploaded uh, on the server. So it was just filling up all the space within a few hours. <laughs> hmm. So in the end, I had to just manually, we had to upgrade to the next tier of database server. Um, we didn't have any data loss. It just meant there was an hour or two of downtime while we did that transition. And since then, I've improved all of the failover scripts and I've got that monitoring looking a bit better. Um, but yeah, that was basically the <laughs> that was basically the story of our database downtime. So the, my main takeaway from this is that we can never let you and Ryan travel on the same plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because... <laughs> I would be in so much trouble if I had to try to figure out what the hell was happening here. Yeah, we should probably work on getting you up to speed with this. Because <laughs> it's the tragic thing about that is that, like, it's just one, you type one thing into the command line and press return, and now it'll fail over properly. Mm. But yeah, without knowing that, that's not very good. The one, the the thing that annoys me about this is we've now had to upgrade our database server and our standby server. And on Linode... You don't. You can't just pick and choose like extra hard disk space or extra RAM. You just go up a tier. So it went from forty dollars a month per database server to eighty, and the only part of that that we're using is the disk space. Like we have all these extra cores and tons of extra RAM that I've been trying to configure the database to use tons of it, but it just doesn't care. <laughs> hmm. um, so we have these overpowered database servers at the moment that we're paying an extra eighty dollars a month for now in total. So that's like thousand dollars a year just because we needed a little bit of extra database space which kind of gets under my skin a bit yeah i guess that's annoying we're like just yeah we're like just above the tier yeah there's some changes that i've made that are going to make the database hold on to a lot less older information so once that all filters through maybe in a few weeks we could drop back to the old one but it's going to take a while and it's probably no harm to have like all this extra capacity in case i don't know somebody something huge happens and we have a huge spike one day like if the database is already in place um that's better always be prepared mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was good to good to run through that stuff and make sure that our backups work like those scripts over time new dependencies come out and things change and things break like it's good to run those scripts every few months anyway just to like make sure it's working properly with the latest version of python or whatever um, so they're all reliable now and they can go quickly. So that feels good. It's funny. One thing I know, like anytime there's an emergency going on, I'm at like 100% panic. 
while I fix it. Mm. <laughs> Even though we have all this stuff in spa- in place and we're being pretty professional about it all, I still felt as panicked as if we'd just been flying by the seat of our pants and had one database server. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it, it always feels chaotic, but like at the end, looking back, all we had was a little bit of downtime. And like, you can still play podcasts and download podcasts while the server's down. It's just that new episodes don't come out um, and you can't do search. So it's, I mean, it's obviously bad, but it's not, it's not like the app won't even start. But I mean, I guess, I mean, it was going to happen at some stage and we're in a better place now to yeah. avoid it in future. Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting learning all this database stuff. I wrote a blog post way back uh, when, when we launched Castro 2, I think, about our, our setup. So we can link that in the show notes too, if anyone's interested. Let's do that. Okay. Well, now that I'm quite overwhelmed and wondering about all the stuff that I should really be learning <laughs> about servers, uh, uh, maybe we should, maybe we can wrap up for the week. What do you reckon? Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, we, we got some reviews on our podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have like, oh, yeah, we have like five ratings. This is the US store, I take it, is it? Yeah. A couple of five stars. Okay. So, yeah, we have two five stars. I think we should read the five star ones. Okay. What about the one star one? Will we read that? I, I, I don't know. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? <laughs> <laughs> Go for the five. Garcia's Guitar. Thank you for your five star review. These guys are great indie developers. Give us insight into what it's like being a developer. Castro is an awesome podcast app and enjoy the new podcast show. Thank you very much. Nice. Thank you, Garcia's Guitar. Um, disgusting political comments at the end. Mm. I enjoyed listening to this podcast and hearing how the Castro developers make apps. Today, at the end of the episode, was a statement by someone who was not part of the podcast. They spoke misleading, false, and extremely negative statements about one of the candidates running for political office. Who it was about is immaterial to this review. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if Barra. If Barra. I'm not happy with that. Yeah. So that was, we had an ad from the nuisance... Com- Nuisance, nuisance committee. committee. <laughs> we had an ad from the nuisance committee um, that was George Takai reading pretty harsh ad about Donald Trump. It, uh, it's irrelevant which candidate, but it was Donald Trump. <laughs> I think so. Okay, we can laugh at someone giving us a bad review. That's let's consider that done already. Um, but I think I thought it was. I mean, clearly, I mean, he wasn't expecting to hear like a political ad on a podcast and got pretty annoyed about it fair enough yeah i think it's kind of interesting though that like because podcasts like this ad wasn't read by us but generally podcast ads are more valuable because they're read by the hosts as if they are endorsing the product and usually they are endorsing the product so it's like there's more of an expectation for it to be something that fits in the realm of what the podcast is about but in like so many other mediums um media the ads are just whatever like if i read the irish times there are like horrible ads beside some of the articles there or if i mm. watch tv i don't necessarily associate the contents of the ads with the show i'm listening to or the show i'm watching on tv so it's interesting that people treat it differently with podcasts or with indies or something like that anyway yeah no that's interesting right i like if it if it had been a different medium or if it like how do you think it would have gone if it was us reading that script for example or would we have read that script <laughs> yeah well i didn't i mean that's our first sponsorship, and I'm really grateful for it. Um, we actually got paid to do this podcast once. Three times, even. Yeah, three times, in fact. <laughs> so, and we got it by, I noticed that Max Temkin was tweeting, looking for people to who would run these ads. 
And I don't, I don't know how successful it was, but like, I didn't hear those ads on any other podcasts that I happened to listen to anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, yeah, I wonder were people like hesitant because like for, I guess for those reasons that we just outlined. Yeah. Cause yeah, if we were reading it ourselves, I would have felt different. I think. I mean, we were up for it. My personal views are that I wanted Hillary Clinton to win over Donald Trump. Um, so I think I would have been excited to do it. I, I know like John Gruber gets hassle from people when he talks about baseball or whatever. Like there's this expectation that you're supposed to talk about only those things that the person tuned into um, in the first place, hmm. which I kind of, I go, you know, <laughs> reasonable enough in some ways, but on the other hand, it's a person you're listening to. So the person is more than a blog about Apple. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's an odd one. I, mean, I do think it's interesting just to like, even just the points that that brings up around that you mentioned around podcasting and like people's um, impressions of like what ads are suitable or not. Mm. Will we do, will we do more ads? Will we do, will we do another ad? I would very much like to do more ads on this show, even if they aren't for um, controversial things. Mm. So we charged a hundred dollars for each episode of that ad. Um, so if if you have a product or an app or anything like that that you'd like us to advertise, let us know. Um, you can get in touch with us at probably email one of our names at supertop.co. What's your name? <laughs> my, my name is Podrick, P-A-D-R-A-I-G. And I'm Oshin, O-I-S-I-N. So either of us at supertop.co. Oh, and the other five-star review, thanks, Holger, for your five-star review. Thanks, Holger, for the five-star review, and thanks again to Lda Padua for the four-star review that we read out a few weeks ago. If anybody else would like to leave a review, we'll be very happy um, to read that ourselves and potentially on the podcast. Thank you for listening to Super Top Podcast this week. Um, I'm Oshin on Twitter. I'm Prendio2. That's P-R-E-N-D-I-O-2. And I'm on Twitter as Podrick. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll we'll be back with another episode before Christmas. Oh no, before the holidays. Oh, am I going? Have I just offended somebody? <laughs> yeah, we're going to get another review. Okay, bye. Okay, we'll be back with the war on Christmas later. Ciao. Could look at it in the end of that, but I think it's fine. <laughs>